0: Thank you friends for joining us for another episode of The World Needs Your Words writing podcast. And I am so excited today because I am joined by my new friend, Lena Morembe Pires. Is that, I said that right?
1: Lena Morembe Pira.
0: All right, cool. I got it, I got it, I got it close. And thank yes. you so much for taking the time to join me
1: today. You're welcome.
0: I've uh, I've had a couple of international uh, friends on a couple podcasts I've had. Um, but uh, not any recently. So where are you at exactly as we're having this conversation?
1: I'm in Kampala, Uganda.
0: That's, across, that's across the pond. For those of you that yes. don't know, if you don't know geography, it's a little ways from where I'm at in Southwest Florida. Well, Lena, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I'll I'll kind of uh, talk a little bit about getting connected with you and then also why I had you on the podcast. Um, One of our uh, mutual uh, colleagues within New International, formerly NMSI, that we're both a part of, the missions organization, had posted about what you're doing with Africa Books and and those things. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So that got me interested, Um, on top of the fact that obviously... There's a faith element to your story, and, uh, and, and within writing my own books and trying to help others do the same, and you're doing that as well. Yeah. And so I just want to know a little bit about you, and, and can maybe give a little bit of the origin story of who Lena is, and maybe how you, we'll talk about what you're doing now, but maybe talk about how you kind of got to where you're at right now.
1: Okay. Well, I was a school teacher in California, um, probably about 15 years ago. Um, God told me to go to Uganda in, I got a call when there was a children's choir came to sing at my church from Uganda. And I heard God audibly tell me, go to Uganda. Mm -hmm. My first response was how God, I don't know how to get there. (laughs) So I sponsored a child and kind of left it at that and said, God will get me there when he wants me there. Um, fast forward and two years later, another kid's choir came Um, to my church. And God said, didn't I tell you to go there two years ago? And um, God opened up the door shortly after that, about a month after that. And I found a missions, short-term missions team from my church organizing to go to Uganda and quickly signed up. And the rest has been history. I've now lived in Uganda for 14 years um, and pretty much will be here indefinitely. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the writing that you do Mm -hmm. um, and what you're doing. So I I did a little bit of research on you. And Mm -hmm. I've actually listened to another interview that you were on uh, with another brother that I believe is in Africa as well, where you shared Mm -hmm. a little bit of this story, but you've helped write curriculum. There's a lot of things. Can we talk a little bit about that journey? What what kind of got you into the writing world? And maybe talk about the, the origin of what you're doing now.
1: Sure. Um, well, I was a school teacher in California, and while I was working on clearing my teaching credential in the U.S., I ended up getting a master's degree in curriculum development and instruction. And so when I first went to Uganda, um, I was really doing a lot of curriculum development for nonprofits, churches, um, those types of things. Um, and then if anyone has ever developed a curriculum, you know, there's kind of like you spend about two, three years creating this, and then you kind of relax after that. You update it here and there, but there's not a whole lot of work once it's initially created. And so after developing, I'd say, four or five different full-size curriculums, the people at the organization I was working with started asking me, "Um, so now that you have some downtime, can you help us with our books? (laughs) Because they figured, well, if she knows how to write curriculum, she definitely knows how to write books. And so that's how it started. I um, looked into how do I do this? How do I create cover designs? How do I you know, get a book from start to finish? And I'd say God really taught me every step of the way. Um, And so over the years, it has merged to now I do more books than I actually do curriculum projects. So, yeah, it's just interesting how God brought it about.
0: That's awesome. And now so um, and I know that the African book side of it, there's some more to that side. I've seen you share a little bit about that with what you're doing. Can you explain that? Because, you know, in the U.S., um, and a lot of people that, that are into writing maybe have done a little bit of research. You know, there's a lot more access these days with self-publishing and things like Amazon and ways for you to actually make money in and doing what you're doing. But my understanding is other parts of the world that's not always the case. And so that's one of the things you're trying to do with AfricanBooks.com. So what what is that what does that look like with, with what you're doing? Yes.
1: So for several years, I think from the very first book that I ever helped someone publish. Um, right as soon as we got to print and we put out the print version, they started saying, "Uh huh." And how about the ebook? And so when I went on that very first time and looked into the dynamics of what it entailed with Amazon and having an African um, writer and things like that, I quickly learned that African or uh, Amazon and many of the other major players in the book world, uh, Nook. Uh, iBooks, all those companies, they're not paying royalties to African bank accounts. And so it's really difficult for African-based authors who don't have US accounts or UK accounts to actually get paid for the books they put there. Um, And that's why you'll find that when you're searching for African books on Amazon or, you know, Kindle Nook, you'll find a lot of books that are authored by Africans in the diaspora, or people that are Westerners that are writing about Africa, but you won't find a lot of authentic literature written by African based authors out of those places because they're not getting paid for it. And if they do put their books there, they have to find a middleman to to handle their payments and the middleman often takes a lot we tried it at the beginning and our authors were ended up getting like one cent payments after that so we said every time after that everyone would ask me "Uh uh-huh so now my my ebook and i my answer was always give me time i'm gonna find a solution for that give me time i'll find a solution for that and so that's how africanbooks.com was born um it's really a solution for all african-based authors around the world to be able to sell their books and earn royalties in their local payments.
0: That's awesome. So if if author comes to you and they want to work with you and they want to they want to, you know, produce a book um, when you go to when you do the actual physical book, um, is there an opportunity for you to source that locally or do you have to outsource that? I mean, um, you know, with when I do print on demand for my current books, at least all the self-published books, it's a local printer that they'll get within a couple states away. What does that look yeah. like for you when an author wants a physical book um, where you're at?
1: Well, that's how we started. So I actually have two entities. Leap Publishers is our publishing um, entity, and that's kind of what encompasses AfricanBooks.com. So with Leap, we I have uh, Ugandan illustrators for if they want to do children's books. I have editors. I have a printer that I work with. Um, so the print books we do all locally in Uganda, we can print. Uh, we recently launched a book, I think about three weeks ago, sold out 3,500 copies in the first three weeks and then had to print another 5,000 more. So oh, wow, we, we have been selling a lot of print books. Um, the ebooks are just picking up. It's a new concept in Uganda. And so the ebook platform, I don't restrict it to it being, books I've published. That ebook platform is almost operates exactly like Kindle. So it's a self-publishing platform. Anyone in the world can create a free account. They can upload their book and they can start selling it, whether they know me or they don't know me. Um, But I find a lot of African authors and publishers at the moment really don't understand ebooks. So I am getting a lot of requests of, how do you format an ebook? How do you do this? So I have been holding a lot of hands now at the beginning but I know as people learn how to use it, they'll be using the platform themselves. And I won't have to do a lot of the handholding like I'm doing now. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the two entities.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, I, so I, I spent some time on the AfricanBooks.com and I saw all the eBooks on there. Um, where do you have a website listed where they can get like where they can access the actual physical books too?
1: Um, at this moment, we don't. okay. I want to eventually do a print on demand as well. Yeah, um, but because we have global buyers, I didn't want to put physical books there because the shipping becomes really interesting, depending on where they're ordering from. Sure, sure, that, that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. Well that's
0: oh, that's awesome. I, you know I just look looking on the the africanbooks like it seems like you're helping a lot of people with that. And okay. um, I've recently started a writing uh, community. Um, Mm -hmm. This whole podcast is kind of connected. The world needs your words. Um, And the thing is, is what I found is I started doing some workshops for people that were interested in writing a book. Yes. And there's a lot of people that are interested, but very few of them ever will. And so yes. just being able to be that person, Oh, I've, I've done this, I've learned this. And then the reason why I started the community was I realized sometimes they need more than a 45 minute conversation. And yes. so it's just, you know, and it's like, Hey, how do I publish this? Hey, what do I click on Amazon to be able to do that? And obviously that's on the U S side of things, but I think it's, a, it's such a blessing that you get to be that for other people uh, there that wouldn't have access to that. And for some of them, I mean, I mean, selling over, over 3,000 books, that's life transforming. I mean, that's that's yeah. really yeah. incredible.
1: True. That's true. Yeah, and, and we we opened it up because we realized there is no self-publishing ebook platform yet in Africa besides African books. And so we've opened it up even to the publishing houses that are here because they also don't wanna develop their own tech and go through that whole long process of how do I develop this? And so we've started working with the big name publishers in Africa to also get their books there. So my hope is that it becomes a hub of African literature for anyone who wants it around the world. Already we have books from about 10 different African countries um, in about five or six different languages. So our our goal is to really cover the continent and, and have everything at, you know, have it there almost as a living library or a living historical place for African content.
0: That's, that's so incredible. Um, I'm, I'm a part of our now family partners, formerly child sponsorship team in Kenya. And, uh-huh. um, and I've told people after visiting, even for short-term trips um, yes. and, and, and obviously from a faith where a lot of people wouldn't use this, this terminology, but I said, being there, it's almost magical. Like there's just something uh, I've, I've been to a lot of places and there is nothing like being in Africa, period. And 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 I and it's the thing is is that there's so there's so much potential and You see so much tragedy that's taken place over the years in Africa, um, within Africa, within some of the own stuff that's happened civilly, and then also from all over the world and slavery and so many horrible things. And it's because there's so much there that God loves and people there that are full of life and have so much to bring to the table. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that you are giving people an opportunity to connect with people outside of themselves through the power of words in such an amazing way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was one of my biggest goals, you know, because for so long Africans Africa's been known as the black continent. And it's really, I think, because there's a lack of information going out of who we really are and what we really represent. And you know, there's these false stories of Africa is only about the starving kids, you know, with the Mm -hmm. flies on their faces, you know, and they don't tell the the accurate stories or, you know, like whenever I tell people I'm from Uganda, people are like, oh, where Idi Amin is from? And I'm like, that was back in the 70s. Like there's, they have no information of what's happening now. And so I'm hoping through AfricanBooks.com and as Africans tell their stories and it goes out globally, will change the entire perception of what that continent is. Because once people have accurate information and they hear all the stories, will stop be, being considered black. You yeah. know, that black continent that no one knows anything about, you know? Once you open it up and light comes out, you know, there's a wealth of information that we have to share. So Absolutely. that's really the heart behind it.
0: That's so beautiful. Well, I appreciate you you sharing that. Obviously, your heart in this is trying to help. You're trying to be a resource. Um, there's a guy, he's a writer. Um, his name's Donald Miller. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with him or not, but he yeah. talks a lot about... Um, that we all play a different, you know, character in the story. And mm-hmm. he talks about that, you know, a lot of times we, we collectively, yeah. and even the, the big C church, we'll try to make ourselves the hero. And yes. the truth is from a faith perspective, we know that, you know, Jesus is, is, our, is our source, yeah. but in a relationship with, between us and somebody else, we're not the one that has to take the steps they are. And yeah. so our role is actually that of a guide. And Mm -hmm. so you are being a guide to many writers and maybe many that have dreamed of sharing their words and their stories with the world. And now you're giving them the opportunity. So I just think that's incredible. And thank you for that. I think it's such a beautiful thing. I got a couple more questions for you here. Uh Um, Could you just share maybe a couple of things you've learned in the writing process? Um, whether, it, whether it be some of our friends, we do have some international listeners from different parts of the world. Um, yes. just some things you've learned in the, whether it's from the curriculum side or helping other people with their books that you could give just some wisdom you've come across along the way.
1: Um, I think the first thing that stands out in my mind is that readers can always see through your words. Mm. So I've had some people who have come to me and say okay I want to tell my story and when I read their drafts I tell them "Uh, right here you're either lying to me Mm. or you're leaving out something really important and so I often tell authors if you're not ready to tell the story and tell it fully and tell it correctly wait Mm. a bit because the second a reader thinks that they're being lied to, or there's something not quite right, they'll turn off and they'll never wanna buy your books again. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I've really learned. Um, let's see, another thing, what else? It's, another thing I've learned is that um, you're never too young or too old to write. I think the youngest author I have worked with is nine years old. Wow. So we have her book on africanbooks.com. She printed print books um, and she's selling them. Our second youngest is 14 and wow. she's written three books already. Um, and then we, our oldest author on our platform is 82. And so really, honestly, the spectrum is there. If you have something to say and you're passionate about it, go ahead and write. But don't just write just to write. Make sure you have something to say. Um, so that when people get to the end of the book, they feel like they've grown or they've learned something or they've been encouraged or, you know, something new has come to light or They've been entertained, you know, make it so that when a reader walks away, they feel like they're better off than when yeah. they first started reading your book. So, yeah. yeah, those would be, I think, probably my main three things that I've learned That's good.
0: And, you know, you speak to that authenticity. And I think uh, for some people that I've talked to, even people that have shared that they want to write and they haven't, um, there's a little bit of fear attached to it, I think, because there is a vulnerability in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, especially if you're sharing your personal story, Um, even a lot of fiction writers, I know when they share stories, sometimes there'll be some temperaments or some experiences that they'll include in there from their personal life. Yes. And there is something to be an authentic in that. But I, I think some of that too, for some people is this thing, um, where people talk about limiting beliefs. I just heard mm-hmm. that term a couple of years ago and, uh, actually, uh, Jeff Metzger, the CEO of our organization, yes. uh, at, at a retreat, I heard him talking about limiting beliefs and he said the opposite of that is a liberating truth. Mm-hmm. And I heard him share, he had, I think, written some curriculum a long time ago, and I heard him saying this thing about a limiting belief he had that it just resounded in me. He said, you know, I thought anything that I would have to say has already been said before by somebody smarter than me with more experience mm-hmm. than me. Or, and he said, but the liberating truth in that is the fact that it's my voice. It's my life. It's my experience. And that's the beautiful thing that in Uganda, even in this moment, you know, where it's almost 6.30 p.m. there, it's almost 11.30 a.m. here, you could be reading the same verse that I'm reading in the Bible. And God mm-hmm. can speak to you in a unique way with that verse in a, a different way than He'll speak to me, and it's the yes. same way with our books. Is that we have an opportunity, you know, and again that concept: the world needs what you have to say. The world needs your words. So be authentically you in that. And I, I love that you challenge writers in that. It's really good.
1: Yeah, there's actually a verse that I use as a as a theme verse for African books and for our leap publishing house and it's in the message version and it really talks about what you were just talking about it's in Matthew 13 52 and it's talking to the scribes right and so it says um, then you see how every scribe well trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. And I think that's the role of authors is to, to bring out the old when people need to understand the old, but to also bring out the new and to be able to give content and information to people that are looking for it. Yeah. Because at times, especially us as Christian writers, there's people who never going to pick up a Bible, but they'll pick up your book. Mm-hmm. And if they can find God in your book, you might be the one that leads them To the word and to truth. And so what are we doing as that bridge, as Mm -hmm. writers, to draw people in? So, yeah, that kind of speaks to what you're talking about.
0: Well, and I always think about it when it comes to writing is that when I think about my avatar or who is my ideal reader, I know that a lot of Christians read the stuff that I write. But Mm -hmm. I try to write in a capacity, just like when I'm preaching a message, I don't Mm -hmm. assume everybody in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And I also hope that there are people there that may not have experienced the hope that I have so that I have an opportunity to share that with them, you know. And so I don't assume everybody knows John 3.16, you know. Um, I heard a preacher talk about one time in his church there was a young lady that come up to him after the service and she said, okay, I'm new to this thing. Um, you know, I see the, the words that you're sharing from the Bible up on the screen and I see the name and then I see numbers, but what's the dot, dot. And he was <laughs> like, what do you mean? And she said, you know, it's got a number and it says dot, dot. And then, and it took him a minute. And he said, you know, but to know that there's somebody in within in the room that doesn't yeah. know that that's a chapter and a verse we assume Yes. That people, you know, and so that's the thing in our writing. We have an incredible opportunity
1: yes. To, to, yes. to
0: even even if what we're writing is entertaining. Yes. Um, you know, yes. I'm, I'm, uh, next week I'm going to give my hand at stand-up comedy for the first time ever. <laughs> and I listen to a lot of co- comedians, and there's one particular yes. comedian that's a Christian, and I've heard him say, he said, everything I do change. I, I used to try to get yes. laughs, mm-hmm. and now I try to give people the opportunity to laugh. And Mm. the truth is, is that scripture even talks about that laughter is good medicine. And so, um, so when it comes to our writing, it's the same way that maybe somebody comes to read it because the title intrigued them, or maybe the subtitle felt like it related in some capacity. But the, my hope is they get way more than what they bargained for,
1: you know, and and,
0: everybody needs hope, but everybody can relate to pain. And that authenticity is such an important part of sharing and writing.
1: Yes, yes, that's true. Another thing I thought of as you're speaking is um, uh, as self, a lot of us are self-publishers. I work a lot with self-publishing authors even in Uganda, but it doesn't mean that as a self-publisher, you need to do something substandard. So don't be afraid to ask, you know, a publisher, can you help me edit this? Can you help me design a good cover? Because whether we like it or not, we say that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we, we do. do. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the book of ebooks, you know, when we're scrolling this TikTok society, you're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. If that little icon doesn't capture your attention in two seconds, it doesn't ha- matter how good your message is, no one's going to pick your book. So um, that's something that I would, would definitely say to self-publishing authors.
0: Yeah, I, I try to challenge my writers all the time that I talk to because they're like, well, I'm going self-publishing because I, I'm, you know, I don't want to try uh, try to go to the regular publishing route. It didn't thing. And I'm just like, OK, well, you need to get a good graphic designer. You need to connect with a good editor. And they're like, yeah. well, I was just hoping to, to just put this out on my own, not spend money. And, you know, I just <laughs> challenge them. Well, the thing is, yeah. is that at the end of the day you know, uh, a good editor may take what you write that's, that's, that's good and make it great. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and it's funny to me too, because even in that process, like I know I'm still horrible with grammar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had plenty, my, my entire school career worth of graded papers to tell you that this is stuff, stuff that I'm not good at. Um, yeah. But, you know, as my, my speech teacher in, in college spoke into my life and she said, God made you to do this and I said yeah. but my grammar's horrible. She said yes it is but that's why they're editors. You know? Yes. And so 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 I I didn't learn. I still struggle with where to put a comma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. but but that's why I have somebody on my team exactly. that that I that that's really good at what she does that I pay because she's going to give me her best to make what I'm doing the best it can possibly be and I love you speaking into that too um, especially when it comes to and I have a a mixture of people that listen to this podcast some that are Christian some that are not that that they're just interested in writing but especially as a Christian I just went to a a Christians writer writers conference it was the first one I ever went to Um, it was amazing and but one of the ladies she spoke up and she said for so long things that Christians produce you know in the last 100 Years have have been below subpar, and she said, yeah. "If we serve the God that created everything, mm-hmm. we should be putting out the absolute best." You know, and, you know, Ephesians talks about that, right? That God created us to do good works. Yeah. And he didn't create us to do good works that look like it you know it was it was done substandard like this is a exactly. way for us to reach people but it's also a way for us to honor him when we give our best to it
1: Exactly. Yeah, I 100% agree. We have that challenge also in in Africa as a whole. You know, it's kind of like, well, how do I cut corners and save money to get something produced out there? And it's like, no, you're missing the point. Um, (laughs) You know, if you're cutting corners, people can tell when you designed your cover on Word. (laughs) Like it's really obvious and no one's going to read you because the, the world expects a certain standard of excellence and if we're not meeting that standard then why should they listen to us it's kind of like when we preach a gospel message and we're only preaching to the poor why would uh, a hollywood movie star want to listen to your message when you're telling them god can make you rich <laughs> you get it. they're already yeah. rich they don't need your god if that's the god you're giving them so it's it's to make sure you know who your audience is tailor it to them but do your very best because, yeah, as you said, when God created the world, he didn't create it half-baked. <laughs> he gave us his very best in creation and he put that very same spirit in us. So we should be, it, God said that when he left the earth and left us the Holy Spirit, we should do the, that which he did and even greater. So, you know, if God created a perfect universe, what are we creating?
0: Mm. You yeah. know. That's so. Yeah, so good, Lena. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have two more things before we wrap up today. Um, other than the Bible, can you mm-hmm. maybe maybe share one or two books um, that have had a really big impact in your life? They can be faith-related or even vocationally related, but just a couple of books that have impacted you.
1: Um, well, the first one that I would say transformed my life would be Crazy Love by Francis Chan.
0: Such a good book.
1: Yeah, I got about halfway through that book. i I, francis was my pastor when i was in california and so he gave away that book for free when he wrote it and i remember it was the first weekend of january i think 2018 and my missions pastor had just asked me when are you moving to uganda and i laughed at him and i told him never and the missions pastor said we'll see about that and so right around halfway through that book Francis was talking about the rich young ruler and how, you know, he's telling God, what do I need to do, you know, and God impressed it upon me, you've been praying and asked me what do I need to do about Uganda, you I've already told you to move. So either you move, follow me there and go, or turn around and walk away and Mm -hmm. that I would say single handedly transformed my course and destiny. Wow. Forever. I, and a few of my friends when they heard me tell them that they actually stopped reading the book because they were scared what was going to happen to them. So they, <laughs> they were like, Nope, I'm done. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah.
1: So I think of that one, that one really stands out. Um, I would say there's another one, Five Things Every Young Person Should Know by Henry Mm. Muguluma. Not so much because it transformed my thinking or anything, but it was the very first book that I ever worked on for Mm. an African author. And so it kind of set the course of really what I'm doing now. And it has been one of those books that every book I've published since has kind of been compared to it because it was it was done to such an excellence that I'm like, every time I'm doing a book, I'm like, I have to beat this. I have to, I have to make it better than the last. So um, yeah, those two really stand out in my mind.
0: That's awesome. You know, the crazy thing about crazy love that you share that Uh um, is there's a lot of books that I could say, yeah, this was, this was impactful. Um, But that was for me too. I actually heard Francis. uh, He was speaking at a passion conference and was the first one I went to in Atlanta and it was, it was right before he published Crazy Love. Yes. And I had never even heard about him. And then I started following the messages online. At one point, I even prayed about moving out to Simi Valley to join yes. the church. Wow. Um, and, but when I read that book, it, it, was, it changed everything. Because when he started yes. talking about uh, loving your neighbor as yourself and how that tangibly looked. Yeah. to love your neighbor as yourself. And it yeah. just, it, it, it changed me and, you know, and then to watch his journey and the the way that he took and, and i've yeah. told that to several people i said do not read this book unless you're ready for your life to be impacted <laughs> exactly. and
1: exactly um,
0: so and yeah. it you know it's impacted millions of people which is amazing and and, um, and
1: i and i owe him he is responsible for me being in uganda because i was in his church for about 8 years mm-hmm. and you can't stay in that church and you see 50% is going out to missions people are leaving for missions day in day out like we were constantly just sending so i was part of the those that eventually went out, and most of us, I think, that gone sent out, we we never actually came back. We're still there. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> that, yeah. that's that's so awesome. Um, how did you get uh, connected to the missions organization?
1: Uh, it was actually through another one of um, the missionaries that that Cornerstone sent out. Okay, they were a part of the mission at that time, and they were actually serving in Uganda as well and so when god spoke to me i think it was around april of uh was it 2008 april mm-hmm. of 2008 and i called them immediately it was a sunday i called them and i asked them okay what do i need to do and they were actually at the two-month coat program at that time and they said because they were changing organizations and they said lena sign up for the very next coat and so i went to church told the missions pastor. He told me what's the next step. I said, I need to sign up for COAT. It's in November. And he was like, okay, great. And that's what got the ball rolling. And I've been with the mission since ever since then, 2008.
0: I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I've been, um, I've been officially uh, affiliated since 2017. And, uh, but I supported missionaries that were at formerly NMSI, uh, new international yeah. for uh, over 10 years now. And it was uh-huh. just a friend, a friend that was joining the organization. And, and now I live in Southwest Florida and it's been a huge part of my transformational story of God just working. And, um, it's really powerful. So, Lena, just a couple things for people to connect with you, africanbooks.com. They exactly. can they can access um, them. And then for us in the US, can we actually purchase books on that site? The, the ebooks? Yes,
1: you can. Yes, you can. Use the credit card link. Uh, we actually use a US credit card processor, so it will work no problem. Perfect. And when you buy the books, you download the e-reader and you can read them in your app.
0: I love that. And then with leappublishers.com
1: Exactly. Yes, that that one you'll see more of really do on the development side, you'll get to see some of our portfolio and the works that we've done. Um, Especially we're, we're okay with helping US based authors, UK based authors, also design and publish their books, we're currently working with a UK, what a UK author, an author from Switzerland, and an author from the US. So we are okay with doing books, wherever they are located. So
0: I love yeah. that. At some point, I'm, I may send you some questions for my own uh, community that I have writing Please community, and just try to learn from you. And and Lord willing, as God makes a way, that when I get yeah. across the pond again, I'd love to be able to come visit you and see the work you're doing there. In that way,
1: that would be great. Yeah. I really yeah.
0: appreciate your time today, Lena. And one more thing,
1: uh-huh. um,
0: your name. Yes. I I've wanted to ask you about this in the beginning of the episode, yeah. but uh, Lena Pira. But yes. your middle name that I see that's on your your socials is Marimbe, and yes. that's and that, yes, Ugandan. Would you speak to that a little bit, how, how you got that name?
1: Yes. So when I first moved to Uganda, I went to a village and served at an orphanage. For children. Um, and so the kids all got together and said, No, she, Auntie Lena needs a, a Ugandan name. And so I think about 30 of them sat down together one afternoon and they argued amongst themselves because in Uganda we have different tribes uh, depending on where in Uganda you are. And so the argument was we can't give her a name that's just for the north, just for the east, just for the west, just for the south. Like she needs a name that goes in every place of Uganda. And so Marembe means peace. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, a Luganda word. And it actually cuts across like every tribe. There's Marembes uh, across. So that's how I got my name. So I've had it since uh, 2009. And ever since they gave it to me, it's been the one that I use um, as my middle name. Um, And of course, people have added names later on, but that's been the one that has really stuck. that's
0: that's beautiful thank you for sharing with that and and thank you so much for taking the time and uh man i really appreciate everything you shared i'm looking forward to connecting again with you in the future
1: sounds great anytime you need me just holler
0: (laughs) yes ma'am well thank you god bless you my dear sister
1: thank you so much god bless you too